Hi, everyone, and welcome back to Get Outside with Kids. Uh, this week, we've got a local guest here on the show, just over on the Sunshine Coast in British Columbia here. Um, and her name is Christina. And Christina is a teacher, guide, outdoor educator, and mother of two. She's always loved the outdoors and managed to weave that passion into her career as a teacher. Uh, she's uh, working with well-known outdoor education programs. A year ago, she started the Wonder Outdoor School that we're going to hear about today, a business in a community that supports people to level up their outdoor skills wherever they're at. And with two young children, she's especially supportive of families going camping and spending time outdoors. Welcome to the podcast, Christina, and thank you for being here. Thank you. Well, let's uh, start off as we always do. What inspired you or how did you kind of get into uh, this kind of getting your kids outside experience and what started the Wonder Outdoor School? I've always loved being outside. Like I said, that's been... A kind of a common thread in my whole life. And uh, before becoming a mother, I worked as a guide and an outdoor educator. And personally, I did a lot of big, longer trips. And so when we became parents, that was just the way that we knew how to spend our time. It was what we, it's what we love to do. And I can't even imagine another way of being if we weren't going outside with our kids. Can you tell us a bit about how Wonder Outdoor School came about? You know, what inspired that and what is it? What is an outdoor school? I think there's lots of people use, you know, outdoor schools, uh, nature schools, lots of different terms, but what is your uh, outdoor school all about? Yeah. So Wonder Outdoor School came out of a bunch of different trends once I became a mother. So the first was that my first child was about six months old when uh, COVID began as as something that uh, isolated us and changed the way that we learn. And so, and also we moved to the Sunshine Coast and I was uh, not working full-time anymore. I was full-time parenting. And when I came here to the coast, I started teaching avalanche safety courses through Avalanche Canada, which wasn't something that I was necessarily planning to do, but... Uh, some people reached out to me and wanted me to teach a course. So I thought, sure, why not? I'll teach a course. This works really well. I can do it on weekends. And um, it just took off. Like the first one filled in an instant. And then I had people asking for more. And through that winter, I think I taught six courses. And what was really cool is that in the past, it's been a course that's been full-time uh, outside or one day in the classroom, one day outside, but live the whole time. And with COVID, we were able to do the classroom day was done online. And then the outside part was outside. So we were able to socially distance and people were so hungry to learn. And this was with adults. And they part of what happened with COVID was people wanted to be outside more and they wanted to learn and they wanted to build their skill set because we started to realize, many people started to realize how helpful and healing it was to be in outdoor spaces. And so the combination of people wanting to be outside more with the ability to teach online for a portion of it made it more affordable, made it more accessible. And people were asking me, what else can you teach? It planted in my brain to do an outdoor school that wasn't typical outdoor school. And to be an outdoor school that was predominantly based online that would focus on accessibility and focusing on adult 
education, because up to that point, for adults who wanted to learn outdoor skills, they pretty much, if they didn't go to camp as a kid, or they didn't have a specific mentor to teach them, they didn't really have a place to learn outdoor skills. There's lots of amazing guide outfits who will teach kind of higher level skills like crevasse rescue. And these places are amazing. You know, you can go into MEC and they can help you um, kind of get the gear that you need if you want to start camping. But really, I was filling this void between total beginner campers and people who wanted kind of a higher skill set. So focusing on people who they maybe have done some car camping and they want to do their first backpacking trip. Lots of people actually had done a lot of camping as a kid, maybe with their their parents or in a previous relationship. And they were saying, I really want to get back to being in the outdoors, but I wasn't in charge of those trips. I didn't choose where to go, when to go. I didn't pack the food. I don't know what to put in a first aid kit, all of that stuff. And so Wonder Outdoor School is something different. And honestly, I haven't found anything else like it, the outdoor space. It's so interesting because like you say, people will kind of think, oh, well, if I grew up doing it, you know, I already know how to do it because I've always known how to do it. Or there's the people who you see who are doing, you know, the hardcore crevasse crossing mountain expedition type things. We had some on the podcast this week. We recorded an episode earlier this week with some awesome people doing that. And to most of us, that sounds, I think, really inaccessible, (laughs) really inaccessible because I think of all the things I don't know about that that I'd need to learn. For lots of people thinking they see all these great Instagram posts of people going out and hiking in backcountry areas and doing all this stuff and they think, you know, maybe they drastically underestimate what's required. They can get themselves into some pretty sticky situations or they don't go at all, both of which are kind of negative outcomes. So I think it, that's amazing. Um, and I, I'm guessing from what you're saying as well, you're seeing really, really strong uptake of people wanting wanting what you're offering. Yeah, that's the hope. And, and at the same time in the last few years, I mean, this has always been true, but I think that our awareness of how predominantly white outdoor spaces is has, has increased. And so that's the other part of this is, is trying to lower the level of accessibility so that more people can get outside and, and get rid of some of those barriers that intimidate people to say, oh, this isn't for me. I could never, I like going outside. I like going to parks, but I could never do, you know, a five-day hiking trip. That's not my thing. Yeah, I love that. I mean, Kate and I both work um, somewhat tangently in like the outdoor space um, and of course, saw a huge uptick here in BC parks, right? Like BC parks has been kind of like flooded the last two years um, to the extent where different reservation systems have gone in place to manage some of the trail systems. Um, and there's been some good things that have come out of that. I think some more awareness, like at first it was all this backlash, like, oh, you know, we don't want people to access. You hear a lot about like the trails are too busy or there's too many people, but at the same time, nature is for everyone and everyone should have the opportunity to go outside. What's missing sometimes is the education piece to your point about 
How do we do it in a way that's safe? How do we do, how do we teach leave no trace principles so people who are experiencing the trails for the first time understand how to best do it? And how do we do it safely? Because of course, with more people heading outside, that can lead to more calls to our search and rescue teams, which we're very grateful to have in this province. But we want to make sure that everybody comes home safely from the expeditions that they set out on in the first place to give our volunteers um, a break. So I think having some of this education is, is so important because there's lots of blogs and resources and tools out there, but having some actual in-person or you know even on Zoom tangible training is amazing. Um, if you listen back to our some of our first episodes, I grew up like I never went camping. I never went hiking before and really had to learn through osmosis here um, as an adult moving to BC. And I was lucky to, to meet friends like Kate um, and other people who are really into camping and kind of you know see what they do and learn from them. Uh, but not everybody has that experience. And if you don't have that kind of in your close, you know, knit circle, then then these programs sound fantastic. Um, Kate, on the other hand, had lots of experience growing up with family stuff, but there's always more to learn. You move to a new country as Kate did, and there's all kinds of new things. And it was in Australia with like dingoes and snakes and stuff like that. <laughs> they were the things that were scary for kids. So I knew nothing about bear safety. I knew nothing about uh, snow safety, none of that stuff. Christina, now that you have kids and you're aware of a lot of the risks in the outdoors, but um, you know, people talk a lot about the need for risky play and independence for our children to try out things and to, to learn what risk really is. How are you actually applying that in your parenting? Um, it's something that you're kind of trying to presumably instill in people when they take outdoor courses is how to understand what the risks are and manage them and reduce risk and remove it where you can. How do you take that to parenting and what's your approach to kind of risk with your children? This is such a big topic and such a passion of mine. Uh, one of the things I learned the most guiding was continually checking in on what is real risk versus perceived risk. So we always talked about how uh, something like rock climbing is a great example because there's a lot of perceived risk because you're up high, but the actual real risk when you're doing um, you know, entry level climbing with a top rope system is very, very low. And so I apply that to parenting a lot is really checking in on what is real risk and what is perceived risk, because I want I want my children to be able to assess risk as well. And I want I want them to be able to make those choices. And I want to teach them how to do that. So so one of the things that I do is I let them climb a lot. And I, I mean, I let them be very free in outdoor spaces. But if there's something, for example, that feels high, I'll check in with them, say, how does this feel to you? Checking in with your feet, what, what would happen maybe if you fell? Do you want to be spotted? And spotting is that, for example, is language that I use a lot. Oh, this is where you need to be spotted, or do you want to be spotted? As opposed to this is just a no go zone, this is a place where you need to be spotted. There's a lot of things, and often this can be cultural as well around what we allow children to put in their mouths um, in outdoor spaces. I'm very comfortable with my kids putting sticks and dirt and even like handfuls of sand in their mouth because the actual risk is not significant. So that being said, so with kind of regular child play, I definitely try to 
to balance what are actual real risks that would be a big fall or a choking hazard? Are those actual risks there? And check in with myself and say, okay, can I allow this free play to happen or not? When it comes to thinking about kids and taking them on trips, especially in the backcountry, there is a whole other level of risk to consider. And in my courses, I talk about uh, kind of risk dials. So we can always turn up or turn down different risk dials. So for example, if we are going to turn up the risk dial by having young children in the backcountry with us, which it just does turn up the risk dial, right? They they get into to trouble. We really, we don't want them to get sick. There's more things that could happen. So if we're going to turn up the risk dial with having our children with us, then we turn it down in other places. So maybe that means we always go with another family, or maybe that means we don't go out quite so far into the backcountry. Or if I'm looking at a trip, I'll do one here on the Sunshine Coast. There's the the Powell River um, canoe route, which is a wonderful canoe route, and there aren't a ton of risks on it. Uh, but there's one that, as a as a mother with young kids, that I'm uncomfortable with, which is paddling. Powell Lake, which is super long and the wind can pick up. And so we can mitigate that. We can leave early. We can do a bunch of different things to mitigate that risk. But I definitely, my risk tolerance goes down with kids. You know, for example, there's no way I'm going into avalanche terrain. It's not necessary for kind of our goals as a family to go into certain to embrace certain types of risks. I like the idea of the dials. I think how, like you said, like a, just bringing a child along, does we can go to the playground. It increases risk, right? Like if there's small humans coming with you, the risk is increased just in life in general, but there are things we can do to mitigate that risk. Um, Kate and I have talked on previous episodes, like if you're new to hiking experience, then we have often taken our kids on trails we know very well. So for the very first time getting on a trail that you're super familiar with, that you yourself as an adult have hiked numerous times. So you know the risk level on that trail before you introduce a small human being to that trail. Um, Going with another family, we love that one. We do that often. We often go with another family, especially because it's more fun for the older kids. And that other family's normally you. So it's usually me and Kate together. But yeah, it just means that if something goes wrong, you feel like you've got somebody else there, an extra adult or set of adults who can something can help with. So I like the idea of like, you kind of find those dials that feel right for your family. And over time, a new trail becomes less risky because you've practiced on on other trails and things like that. So as much as we can plan for things going correctly and and managing our dials, sometimes things, even with the best laid of plans, uh, don't go well. And Kate and I actually have an entire episode called, what was it called? The Epic Fails of Summer, Kate? Was that the name of that one? Epic Fails. Very big fails. Um, So we're no strangers to things going wrong when you're out. Um, So we'd love to hear a few stories of you when things have just, you've tried your best and things just did not go as planned. I have a lot of those stories from my whole life. And so often in life and in the outdoors, we remember the trips where things don't go well, right? The trip that was just like the weather was good and everything went well. They, for some reason, they don't stick out in our brains. With kids as well, I'm always learning. And I think that's, that is one of the challenges and joys of doing outdoor things to children is that the, our children are continually growing and their needs are changing constantly. And so we as parents are, we have to assess 
and uh, keep thinking, okay, what would be the right type of experience for our family at this specific point in time? They, what this summer we had, we had quite an experience where my son had an, a severe allergic reaction on a trip, and that was a big learning experience because we really had to respond and appropriately and get him to a hospital and learn from that experience. And that's an example of risk dials. Like we were uh, luckily car camping on that trip and we were able to drive to, to a hospital, you know, the kind of the term epic fail is interesting as I'm thinking about it, because so often there's, there's no failure, right? Like there's nothing that we could, have done differently when these things happen. There's all the classics like poop explosions and your kid barfing in the car seat on the way home multiple times. Oh yeah, just barfing yeah. In the- just it's just Kate's too still not recovered. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh yeah, the barfing, all the oh, fluids. Oh my gosh. I mean, we don't do it because it's easy. That is true. That is true. Yeah, I like how you just said, yeah, it's not about failures because sometimes you plan everything perfectly and your kid just gets gastro on the way home and there's not much you can do about it. Oh, it was so bad. Yeah. Um, and I mean, other things like you say with with risky play as well, we got a, a call from the after school care at uh, my daughter's school this afternoon saying she fell off the monkey bars and really hurt her wrist. So that's with, you know, supervised play in a playground and she could still hurt herself. So yeah, you know, like that, these things happen. <laughs> I think it's really about the resilience we have to build in ourselves as parents to kind of pick ourselves up and be like, all right, well, that was kind of a mess, um, you know, <laughs> literally in many cases. Yeah, I'm glad oh, your, son is sure. doing, your son is doing better now, though. That seems like a That's very scary experience very scary. in the moment, for sure. Well, yeah, it was. And, you know, it's funny, like, that's why I'm thinking about the word failure, because, of course, as parents, when these things happen, we look back and we say, okay, what could we have done differently? There's all sorts of things we're like, okay, if, if, you know, we had done this, or he was better hydrated through the day, like, we weren't really on top of that, you know. But, you know, part of part of camping is getting dirty and running around and, and so there just is some some risk. And so for us, it was really interesting to check in with each other and be like, you know, does this change things for us, you know, and of course, it does a little bit, right? Like, we want to make sure that things are in check, so that it doesn't happen again. But yeah, I mean, things things go wrong. And, you know, sleeps are horrible. You know, that's one thing people are always with kids talking about or without kids. Sleep seems to be people's kind of number one concern about camping is is people with kids or no kids, they say, you know, sleep is really important to me. And I want to make sure that I get a good sleep. I just think that's more of an expectation thing you know (laughs) it's like you know we don't choose to go camping to get a good sleep and especially if we're going with kids like we go to have this like fun silly experience in a tent usually I'm up at 4 30 a.m with one kid like hiking around the campground with my kid in a backpack it's hard but it's part of the experience well and it was we were just saying before we before we hit record we were all just sharing how challenging sleep can be in your own home um, with the perfect schedule on a perfect day and your kids can still be up at 4 30 a.m demanding snacks and paw patrol so sometimes you just have to embrace the like i can eat sometimes have a crappy sleep at home after doing everything right 
Or I can have a crappy sleep, but I will wake up in a beautiful location and I'll open up my tent and we'll have pancakes. And yep, we will just invest in better coffee on our camping trip or what a tea or whatever that (laughs) looks like for you in the morning and embrace that. We often find too, by day, if you camp for a few nights, by night two or especially night three, the kids are just so tired that they finally sleep because they're just so yes. tired from all the fresh air that you're like, finally, we've made it. They finally get a good night's sleep. And then usually <laughs> you're going home at that point anyways. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. I find that yeah. something with our kids that we kind of, one of the ways, like you say, kind of dialing up the risk or dialing it down, because I know I'm at my absolute worst when I'm sleep deprived, which is great when you're a parent, because it happens all the time. But, you know, particularly <laughs> when my uh, youngest daughter was, you know, around the one year mark and I was very sleep deprived. And so one way we kind of managed that was like, like you say, you set the expectation, sleep's probably going to be a mess. Maybe we'll make this a shorter trip because me after four days of like zero sleep in a tent, I might be a bit miserable. Can we do three days? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> didn't make it any better. didn't sleep any better, but like, you know, that I, I like the idea that we're managing our expectations rather than nobody's kids sleeps well in a tent that I know of. <laughs> no, it's hard. And I think one thing what you're saying makes me think of too, is that we have to, when we're planning these trips and these experiences, we have to be really honest with ourselves about what we are game for because kids aren't going to have a good time if we're not having a good time. And there's a little bit of kind of self-reflection that goes along with that for parents because often our identity was very connected to doing things in the outdoors or maybe doing these kind of epic trips in the outdoors. And and we have to be really honest that things are different and they're different in amazing ways, being with kids in the outdoors. And, and this is why I call my, my school of wonder outdoor school, like the wonder that children teach us is the wonder that I want to have with adults, you know, with everybody in the outdoors. But sometimes we have to say, you know what, I'm, I'm not up for that right now. And so I think that there's, I love that there's so much out there encouraging parents to myself included, be like, yes, you can go camping with your kids. Yes, you can get outside with your kids and and go for it. And it's different, but it's wonderful. And also, it's okay if you're not into it. You know, it's okay if you don't do this until your kid is five years old. And and maybe that's just what's best for your family and and just being okay with you're still a person who loves the outdoors. You just might be taking a pause from kind of overnight camping. We have to be really honest with where we are finding our joy because if we're not happy, our kids aren't going to be happy. So Christina, for those people um, on the Sunshine Coast, or I'm guessing they can join some of your uh, courses virtually and see uh, your content virtually as well. Where can people find out more about Wonder Outdoor School? They can find out about Wonder Outdoor School mostly on Instagram. That is where I try to most consistently post content, little bits and pieces of camping tips and outdoor tips. They can join our mailing list, which has kind of more stories, more resources that I don't post on Instagram. And we have a course coming up that is an ocean canoe course. So this is a live course. It's not online. And that is in early October, October 1st and 2nd. And so it is uh, learning how to canoe on the ocean. You know, often people think of the ocean as a place to go kayaking and they don't think of canoes. 
in that way. But this is actually especially good for people who have young kids because um, you can throw young kids in a canoe or pets in a canoe and just kind of access a lot of what the coast has to offer um, compared to a sea kayak. So the we're teaching that course early October, and then I'll be focusing mostly on avalanche safety courses. And uh, hopefully I'll be getting uh, an online course posted for the spring so that people can use it to plan their summer adventures. Awesome. That sounds like so many ways to get in touch. And we will share all of those links in our show notes as well. So if you are listening on your mobile or desktop device, just scroll on down and make sure that you follow Christina and her amazing ventures at the Wonder School. Um, If you're an adult who is new to getting outside and you want to get prepped so you can get your kids outside, it sounds like some of Christina's courses would be um, an absolutely amazing starting point for that. Um, Christina, thank you so much for being here. It's been wonderful to reminisce over not sleeping (laughs) with our children and some of the amazing tools that we can use to actually get outside with our kids. Uh, Make sure you're following us over on Get Outside With Kids on Instagram and hit subscribe so you get the latest episodes delivered to you each week where we have fantastic guests sharing about all of their experiences about getting outside with kids and in this case, adults too. 